Welcome to the dark forest. Jack and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hi, Jackie Cation. Welcome to the dark forest. I am sitting here with a guy that I haven't seen in years and I knew him from the day and... It's an exciting story. Anyway, in other news, you know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com. Mike Rickberg just sang that song you just heard, and uh, Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Vilmos works on the website. He has his own website called Green Room Radio, uh, his own podcast called Green Room Radio that you should probably be listening to if you enjoy stand-up comedy a great deal because he interviews a lot of road comics, and it's neat. Um, and uh, there's merch. There's always merch. You can buy T-shirts. You can get CDs. You can get a, a magnet a ranger of the dork forest magnet all on the merch page you can donate god love you some of you have done it and a new super fan quiet mike and uh, the super fan of course defined by someone who's given me a hundred dollars and uh that uh is supposedly bands encourage a thousand people a year to give them a hundred bucks and and then uh, they've socially arrived so that's what that is so you're all doing vital work i love what you're doing sitting across from me josh weinstein j elvis weinstein professionally Welcome to the show. That's right. Hello. Thank you. All right. So you one of the creators of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and Minneapolis Comic, and that's how we know each other. That is exactly how we know each other. There we go. We've, we're all cut up. We're from the same, just about the same generation, in air quotes, of comics in Minneapolis, I think. Well, I think so. I think you moved out here a little bit before me, but uh, that's because you had an opportunity. Well, no, I was the lack of opportunity in Minneapolis oh, really? that got me to move out here. <laughs> I, had, I had burned through my opportunities in Minneapolis and went, hmm, time to upgrade opportunities. I like it. <laughs> Good choice. It's, um, yeah, I like, I was just in Minneapolis for a giant, uh, it wasn't giant. That's what I liked about it. It was a convert, uh, the convergence. Oh yes. Have you ever heard of I, such a thing? I have. We've been. Um, everyone but me in Cinematic Titanic has been to convergence. In Cinematic Titanic, by the way, Mary Jo Peel, uh, Frank Conniff, also friends of the show. You guys, it's sort of an updated version of Mystery Science Theater, or it probably has a better legal term. No, that's pretty much what it is. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's Mystery Science Theater uh, with Joel Hodgson, Trace, you and me, who were the original three, and yep. Frank and Mary Jo, you mentioned, and uh, it's us without the puppets. It's just it's us sans puppets. throwing 500 jokes at a movie on stage. That's it, and you guys tour, have been touring with it. We and have a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, So, and everybody probably can go to cinematictitanic.com. They should, or they Hulu should. now. We're on Hulu. Our first 10 uh, DVDs are now on Hulu. You have 10 DVDs? We have 12 DVDs, but only 10 are available. (laughs) (laughs) Holy crap. Uh, Nice work. Thank you. Anyway, uh, yeah, somebody's, uh, that's true. And this has been true since you were a very young man. You're a worker bee. I'm kind of a worker bee. That's, That's your thing. You're like... What should I be doing? Unless I'm not working on something I like, in which case I'm a boredom bee. Are you? I am. I am a bee who leaves. Yes. <laughs> You're a bee who moves on? Yes. Oh, well done. Well done. Anyone who takes the time to sift through my uh, credits will find very little through line. <laughs> right. You're not willing to stay 20 years with The Simpsons when you get bored? No. Although no. another guy named Josh Weinstein... Works at The Simpsons. Did, which is why I'm J. Elvis Weinstein. That's right. That's right. And he has the he got the, he got the, at the say after moment. Is that yeah. what happened? He got the writer's guild moment. The writer's guild moment in that case. Fair enough. So when I asked you what your dorkdom was, you were actually saying, I specifically stop myself because you do get kind of obsessed and you get you have a series of things that you're I into. I do. I need to govern my dorkdoms. I, uh, I, I don't not, mind that. I'm not divesting myself from being a dork. Right. But um, I, find I have like a really fucked up attention span. Right. And so like... You know, if I start a video game, yep. suddenly I've got a work ethic, and <laughs> that's my day, or that's my week. Yeah. So, I, like, I play, like, sports games, because they end. Okay. You know, so. Do they end? They end. Now, you know, now see, I've never. in season mode or something. Oh, okay. Oh, right, right. But, so, uh, my thing with, like, you're talking, like, the Madden type of? That kind of thing. I do a lot of basketball. Oh, basketball? Yeah. And so, my my problem with that is that there's always... The button configuration on it can get kind of complex. It can. Is it? Okay. It, it is not it, an illusion? Well, when you, you know, I'm okay. uh, like, we're the same generation where we've seen every incarnation of video games mm-hmm. in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of sometimes will look down at my hand and go, how am I operating this thing? You right, know, be, right. You eventually, you know, it becomes a second nature muscle memory kind of thing. But you look at it and there's like 15 buttons. Right. And But what it takes to get that muscle memory 
Because that's what I say is like, like I don't know how to use. We we have a couple of the systems, right? Because yeah. Andy's a game designer, and um, I never turn them on because I, like you, would then that's what I would be. I would be that person right, playing exactly. um, whatever Skyrim forever. Right, and, and I want to be that guy, kind of. There's a part of me that I, yeah. wants to be that. Yeah, but I totally. also want to be the guy who makes stuff. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> who gets outside and sees what the well, outside's not so important. To me, right, but, <laughs> but yeah, I see where you're going. I like to do laps, <laughs> see what see what's happening in the world of coffee shops. That's right. And what? Uh, uh, so, what basketball game? Just for I know that someone wants to know. I think it was NBA 2K, and I don't even update every. You know, it's like I just like I said, if I catch myself becoming an enthusiast for something, <laughs> I nip it in the bud. <laughs> Pretty much, right? What uh, do you do that with authors as well, or uh, no, not so much. But I don't. I also. It's another quirk of my personality is I pretty much read nonfiction stuff mostly. It's, and 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 I can see you constantly reading though. I'm not constantly reading. Oh, really? You know what I'm constantly reading what? is uh, internet news articles so I can write fucking Twitter jokes about them. That's Sweet. what I find myself <laughs> reading the most of is just going like some chimp from site to site looking for straight lines, essentially. Right. And uh, there they are. There they are. There they are, one after another, some Yahoo saying something ridiculous. Exactly. And you're like, really? Out loud? That's an inside-your-head voice. But you said it out loud, so I'm going to mock it. <laughs> and right. uh, exactly. What's your Twitter handle so the, fa- the uh, people? I am at J. Elvis Weinstein. Obviously, taking some time uh, to create. Uh, and you are very funny on Twitter. Oh, and uh, I, I follow you. God, I get that kind of time. And, we all uh, do, really. We all, we all make the time. So what, what was it like... Um, what different stuff? Like, were you watching The Wire? Did I, you do that? I did not. I see. I watched. I when The Wire was on, I was not turned on by The Wire. Okay. And I kind of walked. I turned my back on it. Did you and step away? Just, and I and I and I uh, I was wrong. I must say I was wrong because I went back. And oh I, yeah. I have watched. I watched it with such enthusiasm and such. Um, like one after another. Oh yeah. More yeah. than one a day. Oh well, it was it was a progression. It was I had the I, I bought the first month off iTunes. Okay. And I kind of pecked at it. I was like, I watched the first episode. I was like, okay, it's kind of like my initial assessment. Pretty okay. good show, but right. Not that into it. And then you know, I, I forced myself because there had been so much hype from so many people whose right. opinions I respect. I went, all right, I'm going to dig in for a few episodes, and then. It took me a week to watch the first season, and then like oh, really? down to, and then each season progressively shorter to to where I watched the last season in like basically a sitting, like a thirteen hour <laughs> sitting. Yeah. Right, I will not be sleeping this day. Yeah, this day just, I will be watching The Wire. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Where if I get into it, then it right? becomes important to me. And I know. I'll abandon it eventually. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's the good thing about something like The Wire is that it's over. I right. mean, that's what, kind of why I, I like to watch things when they're done. I kind of do, too, now. It's a right. nice thing about uh, today's world. Right, because then I don't have to be... Like, I just canceled our cable. Did which you? Because we weren't watching it enough. But then when I'd turn it on, I wouldn't turn it off. Yeah. Same thing, where I will just sit there, and it doesn't have to even be anything. If it's a cab, like the cab cash, car, uh, whatever, right. I will watch a marathon of that. Yeah. And that isn't, I don't need to know if that nice couple who just got into the cab know all the answers to whatever. No, but and, I would like some more shows about people buying and selling their shit. <laughs> that's, that's what I think the world needs more of, in a marathon form, if you would. Fantastic. Only if they let me host it. It's yeah. uh, It'd be, you could call it Dork Closet. There it's, you go. Uh, ooh, Dork Closet, actually, isn't it? <laughs> where's, where's my pen? That has sci-fi <laughs> possibilities, too. <laughs> that has all kinds of stuff happening. What, uh, so what other, so let's just, let's just do a litany. Let's, all right. Uh, all right. Fire. What, well, what else? What 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 else uh, have well, you Breaking followed? Bad. Breaking Bad is another one that oh, I'm actually you? up to date on, and now like because now there's excited. season three or four, yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, it's things are going well for him, right? <laughs> Nothing, just smooth sailing. <laughs> smooth sailing, right? As soon as he quit the car wash, it's yeah, uh, it's, it's just he was it's, like, it's you know what, I'm going to take my life into my own hands, and uh, and he died of cancer, right? That's what that, happened. That's, yeah. yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. Sorry, spoiler people. alert. Because uh, I stopped watching it at the end of season two because I was like, oh, this is not going to end well. It's like when I watched the end of the godfather one i was like oh no oh yeah. i'm good now i so, bet you this isn't going to end well I'm, I'm happy with it not ending well i'm yeah. quite I, are it's, you it's when it ends 
too well for reasonableness that I get out. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you get a little aggravated I when do. you're like, why would you put a button on that? Their yeah. lives are messes. See, I have virtually no ability to suspend my disbelief in any situation. Oh, really? <laughs> including like hallucinogenic <laughs> drugs. I just, I have no sense of abandon whatsoever. I, I must admit that probably right <laughs> off the top. So when, when you took mushrooms or whatever, whatever drug was available? It was just like, okay, all right, enough. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm, all right. I'm over it. Okay. I yeah. know that that's not real. Every tree is not. Yeah, and I wasn't even I wasn't even allowing myself to even really get to tree level. It was oh, just no. like I'm just like okay. <laughs> you know, right. I was like both the guy taking it and talking the guy down at the same time. You know, like, <laughs> You've taken a powerful hallucinogenic drug and you are uh, everything's going to be fine and it's going to take longer than you'd hope to oh wear God. off. That was the dumbest five dollars you ever spent. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's really crazy. Just, it was just like okay, I've, I've, I've you know I wanted to know. No, I was sure. certainly curious. I'm, sure. not, I'm not dead inside. Right, but, right. You're, you're open to new experiences. I am. I just uh, don't. How uh, about food? Do you fear no food? Do you try new things I'm not, that way? I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a foodie, if you will. I oh, like, I like food. I cook a lot. Oh, dude. Oh, there. See? But that's another one where I had to guard myself. When people started buying me cooking things as uh -huh, gifts, I was like, uh -huh. oh, hey, this isn't a hobby. Hey, who? This is just <laughs> making good food for dinner. This is, oh, okay. All right. Not, so Don't define me with oh, cooking implements. Oh, very know? nice. Very nice. You but, know. Mark Marin told me he almost bought one of those clay ovens. That's how much he got into Indian food at one point. Yeah, you can you can go down a lot of roads. That's a rabbit hole that uh, that exactly. you could have done. So what what kind of food? I, I'm growing a garden. I got a little victory garden nice. out back. You very can nice. you'll be taking a zucchini or an eggplant if or if you'd like. Oh, if, gladly, or sure. tomatoes sure. or whatever you know. It's so midwestern to take zucchini home. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> you know, there's a certain point with zucchini production. Oh, where we're making bread now. <laughs> we have so much. I don't know how we get so much of this every year. I I, uh, I reject the bread idea entirely. It's just a vehicle to get rid of zucchini That's at that point. That's all it is. And, and bad bananas. Yeah. I, will I will reach out to neighbors I do not know. That's what will happen with me. I, I will fly her at a Home Depot if I have to with <laughs> zucchinis and just put them underneath windshield wipers. Me, let them rot on the vine. Is well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, yeah, the, the garden has become a bit of an obsession with me because it gets bigger every year. And I was looking for... Um, um, yeah, I really want to... And I'm compost. I mean, it's it's gotten it, it's taking it's taken. I've I'm about to plant 18 okra plants. That's actually. fantastic. The yeah. only problem with that is you end up with okra I at the okra. end of the rainbow. I love okra. You don't enjoy okra? Not uh, well. It's it's the rare okra I enjoy. It's okay. Rare. Yeah, I was raised a little bit on okra, so yeah. it's a it's an acquired taste, or you have to be born into it. Yeah, I'm not against any food on its face, except for the ones no? I'm allergic to. You what know? are you allergic uh, to? If I... Nuts. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, oh, pecans and walnuts. Uh, these uh, no, these cashews. cashews Okay, that's because uh, I always tell people that if you're allergic to nuts, these uh, these cashews are processed in a uh, yeah. I'm not one of those uh, get near it and going to anaphylactic shock kind of guy. Oh, good. So oh, good. And then these are dove dark chocolates, and on in each dove dark chocolate, there's a dark promise that you have to say in a dark dark voice, <laughs> and it usually <laughs> says know. something like "sweets are amazing." I mean, it's usually just an ad for Dove. Well, but, I'll, be, uh, I'll be sure to read it aloud if I go there. Please do. Please do. And, my uh, deepest radio voice. <laughs> so do you eat meat and all this stuff? Do I you, do. I you, eat, it's uh, everything? You're every, doing every, your, yeah. your your dairy, your meats? I have no food prejudices. Oh, fair enough. What, Although I went to Japan a, a, a couple of months ago, and uh, I discovered some food prejudices. <laughs> Did you learn that there were? Texturally, I have some issues with the hmm, Japanese. What were, they, what, were they, what were they pushing? You know, I don't know what, you know. What the, it was you, called? You don't, yeah. You never really know what it is. You just kind of. It's like I'm not afraid of what it started as. <laughs> I don't. I'm not afraid body part. Yeah, okay. I'm just afraid of how it, the texture it ended up, and Fair I don't. Enough. I don't want. You don't need jellied it. sort of. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't enjoy a jellied dessert. No. And so a jellied meat product or yeah, a food like product. Yeah, like gummy meat. Yeah. yeah. No. I don't like spam no, when I was a child. it's gummy bear. It's <laughs> bear. It's bear meat that's been, it's like lutefisk that has right. been turned into some sort of other food. Pro lutefisk itself is its own. It's like okra. It's the okra of the Norwegians. It is the Norwegians' dare to humanity. So. Yeah. It's what we've We're done We're going here. to soak this not very good fish in poison. Forever. And then. And then we'll bake it, and it'll still be, it'll still have that crazy mucusy. It's, un, it's unfortunate. So what, 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 what's, a, what's a recipe you like that, that you might in, encourage? Um, you know, like, what are you good at? I'm I'm good at uh, I'm good at uh, at your proteins. I'm very good at. You good at your, you got a chicken recipe? I, I love chicken. I do. I make a good just 
plain roasted chicken. A bake a, a good roast just baked roasted, roasted chicken. Yeah. What do you Super do to it? What do you do? Do you do it? Do you cut it up or do you do it whole? I do it I whole. You do, do it whole. whole. Yeah. Okay, that usually takes a little longer. I don't have that kind of time. Yeah, what are you doing? Pretty easy. You can do I, it in about an hour. You oh, be able, you know. right, what, what are you cranking it? Four hundred? You, you doing? can do it at four hundred. Okay. Right. All right. Talk especially to me. Especially if you baste. If you baste, especially then you won't you get you won't basting. get the black. All right. All right. But you, basically, you, I stick about half an onion and half a thing of fennel in the cavity. The fennel vegetable, the actual, yes, uh, all the right, actual a live bulb. fennel. Got yes. it, got it, not a seed. Which is a nice aromatic. Oh, it is very will. nice. Yeah. It is nice. It's a little licorice It is a little bit, but and, you don't uh, really infuse but, that too much yeah, with me. Yeah, it's lovely. But so pretty much you can put anything. And, uh, and fennel on the inside. And a garlic or a half an onion. Oh, half an onion. Oh, that's Anything it. that'll steam, oh, aromatically yeah. steam, will uh, do it. I've done right, it right. in a pinch you can do with an apple. Oh, yeah. Um, and then season the outside, salt, pepper, maybe some seasoned salt, some garlic powder, something like that. Sure. Uh, however you choose. Right. Then spray it with uh, some olive oil. I oh. like to use a Pam uh, organic olive oil spray. Sure, sure. And just give or, it. Or you get, I, get, I get one of them pumps you got over at the Target. That's even better. That's it's nice. You get add your own. And better, and you better your, olive oil. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, and then uh, you stick it in a, uh, I would say a 375 oven. You like a 375 for, a four for an pound hour? chicken, do it for an hour. All right. For an additional pound, give it 15 minutes per pound. You make it a five pound chicken sometimes? You might. Sometimes, you might. Sometimes. You have some people Find over. Find the best chicken you can at the store. I can eat a chicken at a sitting. Yeah. Yeah, it isn't okay. Uh, I uh, it's a bit of a trigger food. I freaking love chicken. I love chickens chicken. are really available now too. You can really, you know, that's the thing is you have to get over the hump of I can buy a roasted chicken. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad a roasted Zanku, which is Zanku's, the chicken. Yeah, is near to both of us. Here. It's it's amazing stuff is being done uh, over at the Zanku chicken place. But, but there's uh, a satisfaction of just taking a chicken out of the oven. Oh yeah. And going, uh, see, I did it see? for $8. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm the proud chicken. owner of an entire chicken that right. I made myself over here. Pretty yeah, good. I have seven really good chicken recipes. When I hit 12, and uh, I will try that one, and uh, I'm going to make a calendar. I'm not above it. So, I'll do a calendar. So chicken a day, the seven, or what's the twelve? No, no, How does the, the twelve will be a, 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 a month. Calendar? A month. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. It'll be a, sorry, it'll be a big picture. It'll be a, it'll be a wall. It'll be a wall calendar. So and, of each uh, finished product. Of each finished product, and then nice. there'll be a recipe, and nice. then there'll be an opportunity. I, I do a Moroccan chicken, which is quite nice yeah, with uh, with, with some cumin. Uh, yeah, I can do an apricot couscous. Sometimes I do a little bit. You ever do a dried apricot with some couscous? Uh, I never have, but it's it quite seems nice. Perfectly reasonable. Sure, a little red <laughs> onion. It's yeah. uh, quite. It's uh, it's quite lovely. But uh, uh, with the chicken itself, what you're doing there is a coriander, cumin, uh, mint, and uh, I I might be mixing up my two Moroccan. Like there's a paprika one that I do. Yeah. There's a there's a cumin coriander one that I do, and there's a mint yogurt one that I do. If you that marinate the Moroccan, the mint yogurt. The mint yogurt. Yeah. If you marinate um, the 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 chicken for you know half half an hour to a, overnight uh-huh. uh, in 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 a plain yogurt with with mint and some spices, a little cayenne, you'll um, and then grill it. It's amazing. There you go. Here's sure. the, here's the greatest four uh, four uh, ingredient recipe. Ooh. Um, it's for cream-free creamed corn, which has been a huge, huge boon in Ooh. our house. Yeah, yeah. Get some, uh, get, uh, say you're serving four people, get get, yeah. a, get a dozen ears of uh, sweet corn. Uh, chop it off the cob. Right, right. Uh, stick uh, stick it in a food processor uh, as it, and get it to a consistency of as if you had shredded it. Okay. So it's very liquidy. Okay. Then uh, chop up uh, an onion and some celery and saute that. Okay. Then pour that corn in over it. Yeah. And the sweetness of the corn makes the sugar, all the sugar in the corn makes it this sweet, really good thing. Right, and the sweetness and of the what is it? Celery and onion, celery and onions. Those caramelize a bit. Huh. And it's this really good corn dish that is like super healthy and like. And nothing creamy. to it, yeah. and and is cream corn essentially. Yeah. One trick: save one. Out. You don't uh, don't cream every ear. Put keep one ear out and just. Oh, put for it, texture. Put the whole kernel in for texture. Oh yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, I'll do that. I used um, to be a comic, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh no, no. I uh, we went down a rabbit hole of uh, food talk, right. which I will do. Which yeah, I, I it's mean, a perfectly good rabbit hole to do. I just didn't know if I was holding up my end. Oh, you're uh, totally holding okay, up your end. You're. Uh, I dare people to try to bore me with. Manuka. I heard that recipe on the ra- on a podcast to begin with. So oh, did you? On the NPR food podcast. So I'm just podcasting it along. That oh, that's it. Recipe. You're paying it forward, my that's friend. Right. I don't mind it. that. You're potting it forward. 
I made that but, up right uh, there. The thing about cooking is like the it's like what, those exciting moments where you actually make something that seemed unattained. Like I, like the first time I made creme brulee, oh, right. it was just like one of those like feeling like I had a superpower that I'd never thought I would actually achieve. Or right, because it making, looked like, real. Great blue cheese dressing or something. Yeah. It was just like wow, that that was only attainable outside the home before. <laughs> you know? Now it is available in your home. That is exciting, though. Do you watch those? Do you ever watch the Top Chef? Uh, Top Chef is one of the only uh, reality. Reality. Me ones. too. Although I'm kind of getting into the uh, Gordon Ramsay uh, home cook master chef one now. Oh, a bit. is that the Australian one or no? Uh, it's on Fox. It's on Fox, and it's a Gordon Ramsay hosted. Gordon Ramsay, and it's like Top Chef, except they're all high-level amateur cooks. Oh, okay. Being held to the standard of a professional cook and crumbling at the... And crumbling at the shouting of uh, Gordon Ramsay. Yes. Because he shouts. He does shout. He's a hollerer. And, uh, and I don't mind it if he's not hollering at me so much. But true. It's, uh, it might be fun to watch from afar. It's not it's my a, favorite aspect of the show. But, I bet. Uh, what is your... Is it is it seeing what they have to create? I just or? Like, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm not a recipe guy. So I yeah. just like... I like getting... You know, figuring out the theory, like yeah. what's the what's the method that he transfers into this food in this recipe, and yeah. then once I know those things, then I'll apply my own. Then you can do so. So if you aren't a recipe, like I'm not a recipe, I'm, I'm not really very good with them, but um, yeah. which means, or I don't care enough. That's kind of so I don't bake. Baking is off the table for me. Because oh, really? It's way too exact. It's fiddly. Yeah. It's science. Yeah, exactly. is what it is, yeah. and uh, I don't have petri dishes in the house, and you can't it's, save it. Like a, like oh. cooking, you can save something if it's going the wrong way. Oh yeah, there's some moves you can make. Yeah, but with a cake, you're fucked. You're yeah, fucked forever. <laughs> you are from the get if you drop the ball. I think the first time I made Nestle's Tall House cookies, I fucked it up because I did. I put all the ingredients in in the order they were listed uh. instead of when you get to the recipe part of it, you're supposed to put all the dried ingredients together and then all the wet ingredients together and then right. mingle them. I just put dry, dry, wet, dry, dry <laughs> and it was gross. But I believe uh, everyone ate the cookies anyway because I think that's we were the thing about cookies. Yeah, yeah. you'll just—I'm uh, going to suffer through this vehicle, which is just a vehicle for people. Ch- will give sugar. a wide berth to a free cookie. It's true. <laughs> it's true. So what? Uh, what? Uh, yeah, I just—I'm uh, always curious. I'm always curious. You said that. Did you? Col- did you do? When did you find out that you couldn't really be a collector when you're when you're a kid? Um, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I just—I realized that. Uh, as a kid, I still, like, I collected musical instruments, and I was, like, always, like, trying to add another musical instrument to my really? thing. Yeah, and still kind of do. Okay, so what musical instruments did you, did you play? What did you play? Um, well, I started, like, each year in in school band, I would basically switch instruments. Awesome. <laughs> I'd go from trumpet to trombone, and then keyboard in high school, and then I'd, you know, I'd, then I'd like say, can I play drums on this song, or can I play vibraphone this time? And I had a teacher in jazz lab. In jazz lab, I like it. Um, so it's all a way to, you know, I'm a dilettante is what I am, <laughs> and uh, it's all a way to avoid uh, dedication to well, a single craft while to a single still seeming crafty. Excellent. So, uh, but you read, um, it's all treble clef. The music. Yeah, although now I'm mostly bass? a bass player now. Oh yeah. Yeah. What do you? I don't really read that much. I play in a band. Where I've, I've always had a band. There's always a band. There's always a band. There's yeah. al- you're like it's the Music Man kid. I'm, there's always a band. There's always a band. Yeah, Robert life. Preston, do but it. I've been uh, with you know you know Gruber, Dave. Gruber yeah, Dave Allen. Gruber, uh, Dave Gruber album, The Naked Trucker. The Naked Trucker. And, and uh, on the Gilmore Girls. And, and uh, Mr. Rosso from Freaks and Geeks, which I there you go. On. That's right. Yeah. Um, but Gruber's always been a, a willing art for art's sake partner with me Excellent. for most of my adult <laughs> life. And my wife is in a band with the two of us. And okay. And What's the name of the band? Uh, the Depreciators. <laughs> and we play, we play out once a month-ish, you know. Do you play here in the Los Angeles area? Oh, uh, we do indeed. Where do you play? I think next gig is uh, August 8th at Skinny's Lounge. I don't know if we'll make the air by then. But Skinny's Lounge, is that, that's here in the Valley, is it is not? It is, on uh, Lancashire. Lancashire, over on the Shim. Uh, pretty, that's uh, making Lancashire cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Just calling it the Shim. The shim that's nice. a Jimmy Pardo. The Shim in NoHo. In NoHo. Yeah, you get over to the Shim. And uh, Skinny's, they used to have stand-up. That's the only reason I know of it. It seems like a room that would have had stand-up. Though. But it would allow it. Yeah. And uh, it's always just some sort of guerrilla entertainment where people think that they're just going out for a beverage or a meal. Right. And then all of a sudden it's Los Angeles and people are going to be doing improv around you. Exactly. Or some damn thing. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
<laughs> so what do you play in the band? Uh, I play bass, and I sing about half the lead vocal. It's an electric bass or a stand-up? Bass, electric okay. bass, yeah. And uh, what is your wife? Uh, she is the other sing, the other lead Vocals. singer and uh, guitar. She plays acoustic guitar. Oh, acoustic and Gruber. Uh, Gruber is now uh, Gruber's on a hiatus because he's living up in Salt Lake City, taking care of his parents right now. Oh, okay. Uh, but he plays keyboard and sing. Okay. Everyone sings. A lot of harmony. A lot of harmony. A lot of things. Middle age, middle age folk pop. Folk pop. Yeah. I like it. I like middle age acoustic pop. I guess. <laughs> I don't know that that's a, is that a word? It's, Could it's be much now. As folk pop is really that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Do you guys have albums? Uh, we have over yeah. The yeah. Last, the last one is um, eleven DVDs available on. Yeah, we have <laughs> albums. It's, uh, no, we haven't made an album in a while, but uh, the last one was under my wife's name, Allison McLeod. Oh, very cool. She, uh, before I met her, she had she was a record deal lady, person, lady, and uh, yeah. That's 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 awesome. I mean, the thing is, is it's so great to do different. You know, everybody wants to do something else. I mean, all comics want to do music, and they also want to paint. And you want to do you do any painting? Uh, I no, I, I you know it's you one of dabbling. The, I, it was one of my teenage phases, but sure. I, but I that one that was one where I had enough shame to go. You're not very good at this. <laughs> Have you ever uh, drawn a napkin for John Matta? Uh, I have not. Uh, do you know John Matta? I, I've met John Matta. You do, he does a, a daily napkin, and it's just uh, you draw something on a napkin, and then he uh, scans it, and he puts it up on a Tumblr blog. I'm sure one day it'll Someday turn it'll into a million dollars, me. and it will. Oh, it's not, it's a if you've gotten goal. to me by now, come oh, on. Oh, yeah, exactly. You've got to get to me on the napkin thing. Oh, yeah, the napkin thing is available. And uh, <laughs> so what, uh, um, yeah, so collecting instruments, so how many instruments do you own now? Do you guys have a piano at the house? We do have a piano do and you a play keyboard the and uh, several wanted... guitars and right, right. Trumpet? a couple basses. I still have clarinet? a trumpet. No clarinet. No clarinet. Uh, a flugelhorn or a French horn? Uh, French horn's no, bass. Trombone. Got trombone. trombone. I played got a violin in there. Somewhere. Got a violin. Got uh, some weird percussive instruments from around the world. Uh, do, you, do you play the string instruments? Have you tried the violin? Uh, I've never... Not with Dark. any seriousness, not well, with any, because you know, it's a horrible sound. It's the uh, starter violin. It's uh, the fact that uh, my sister played violin and I played viola. Oh yeah. Uh, as kids, I quit almost immediately, and the fact that my parents insisted I take another instrument, it was one of the best parenting things that they ever did. Insisting we all take, and then they sat through it. Yeah. Us learning how to play these instruments. It's and my sister went from, and so I went to clarinet, and then she learned my clarinet. And then I got bored from the clarinet and took trumpet, and uh, she took my trumpet, wow. and then she switched over what to viola. <laughs> she was just and she was better at all of them because uh, she did this thing. It was practice. Yeah, she liked See, to, that was always where I kind of stumbled. She and loved practicing. Switched instruments. Yeah, yeah, instead of she just got she got to a certain level of proficiency, yeah. and then she was like, "Well, I'm bored now." I know that I'm never going to be amazing. Right. She was in a klezmer band for a little while, played the banjo. Nice. Yeah, and nice. Uh, it was a banjo playing klezmer band, which I Anytime won. you can link Judaism with banjo, That's, I you've think won. you found a nice little <laughs> Venn diagram spot. <laughs> yes, I think that the 19 people that are interested in that will come and see you everywhere. For sure. And uh, I should play First Avenue. Right, yeah, you're going to need another 20, uh, exactly. 81 people. They don't pay retail. No, <laughs> it's a Jew joke. It's great. She can she converted to Judaism. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's the only way you're going to find that klezmer soul, really. It's I a, well, I think that's what she was looking for, and she she's with uh, her partner wanted to be a rabbi at one uh, point. That's and a downer um, if you don't have the Jewish wife as a rabbi. Right, right. It turns out, and they didn't care that they were lesbians. They cared that Darla wasn't Jewish, and uh, and Sounds. obviously not Orthodox. So more right. newish. Yeah, it was <laughs> a newish Jewish. It was a newish Jewish. It was nice, and uh, so yeah. So I like the idea of collecting the instruments. Yeah, they're good looking at least. So you, even if you're you not playing them, they have that object to art. Right, sort of exactly. Quality. You, you got them up in the house. And no, stuff? not not. Or are they stacked they're, they're, like they're, board games? They're kind of uh, a lot of them get used. So I have a big music room in the and and in, in the, the oh okay. Others would use as a formal living room. I use as a big music room with a PA and our band rehearses there every week. Oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, 
That's dorky. It's dorky for sure. That's it. For it's sure. A, Being I, a middle-aged person in a band is dorky regardless. Being a 19-year-old in a band is uh, is wannabe dorky. Yeah. It's uh, you do what you can. And, uh, it's a different pose, though. <laughs> so what kind of nonfiction do you read? Um, that I'm all over the place. I mean, yeah. I read, uh, right now I'm reading a uh, biography of Hal Ashby. Who's Hal Ashby? Hal Ashby is a director who directed, uh, among other things, Harold and Maude. And I have Coming that Home movie. And, I never saw that uh, one. Being There. Didn't see that one. Those those last two are very sad. Uh, being There's not really that sad. Is Being There the being uh, there is Steve slightly Martin? Melan- no, Being There is Peter Sellers' last Peter movie. Peter Sellers' last movie. Last That's real right. movie. And you know what? I did see that uh, because... Uh, uh, but I know it as Peter Sellers' last real movie. <laughs> I don't know it as the name until... That's the sticker they put on the, uh, on the DVD now. It's the one in my brain box, anyway, yeah. that says, oh, that's the one. The Chauncey yeah. Gardner. And it was lovely. Yeah, yeah. So it's a great movie. And he was an editor uh, before. He was a longtime editor. And stuff, okay. So just interesting. Just Hollywood stories? Hollywood and character who made lots of great movies. You know. Is it is it full of party stories? Uh, it's I'm just kind of like just getting to his career now. Okay. I'm, just, it's, I'm about to third of the way into the uh, book. Oh, that's great. And I'm reading Liz Winstead's book now. You know, I haven't started. Had her on. Had her on the show. And uh, and it was, uh, I, I, I've read uh, Mary Jo Peel's book. Mary Jo Peel's book, very funny. Very funny. And uh, and I've read um, Tina Fey's book. Yeah, which and, I haven't yet, but which I own. It's really good. Uh, I actually have it on audio. And yeah. I, it's the only thing in my car. So I've listened to it about three times. Oh, yeah. Back to back with the Sarah Vowell um, Assassination Vacation. Oh, nice. Which are the only two books that for some reason that are in my car audio. Sarah Vowell makes you feel at least like NPR is on the air. At, it, to, and it makes at me. At that same time. And I relearn something every time. You know, that uh, the the uh, Henry Rathbone was with uh, Abraham Lincoln, for example. That's what I learned this morning as I did my errands. Yeah. And that Henry Rathbone was, was uh, of, of Henry and Clara, I think it is. There was. A, a movie, okay. a book, and then a movie about the Rathbones were the other couple in Ford's Theater with oh, right, Lincoln, okay. and he and got their season tickets. Probably <laughs> they were just they were our plus two, <laughs> right. and uh, so I know I believe that uh, Mrs. Lincoln had asked the the Grants if they would come, and uh, they they had to cancel last minute, so the Rathbones came in, and then Henry Rathbone got accused of uh, not trying hard enough to stop John Wilkes Booth, and he went mad. Mad, I wow. tell you, and then killed his wife and tried to kill his kids, but it didn't happen. And then Those one were the of, days when your reputation on the line actually caused you to want to kill yourself rather than get a reality show. <laughs> exactly, it was a. It's not a Sarah Palin like moment for him. He uh, he eventually uh, it, it didn't go well. Yeah. And so, but his grandson was a, a a U.S. senator from Kentucky. Senator Rathbone. Senator Rathbone, I believe. There you go. I used to stay at, uh, when I used to play in Lexington, Kentucky, mm-hmm. we used to stay, there used to be the comedy condo, it was two doors down from Henry Clay's house. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did you do a lot of, did you Speaking try to... Speaking of great compromises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you get to go, did you go to it and see uh, the I museum? I walked around. Or? It was not, it, it was sort of, it was never really open when we were there. Right. But it was, but you could, but it wasn't also, it was also not very protected. It oh. was just sort of a sign. Like, oh, okay. Oh, right. So it was like kind of a plaque, and then there was a, right. this is where it was. It was preserved. Oh, good. I don't think it was a full-blown attraction. Attra- yeah, you had to really be interested. Probably had to call someone, have somebody open it up. That's right. Take you through, and then you're done. Had to give someone $7. Right. Yeah. Do- who has that when you're doing a Sobel gig? <laughs> did you do? I never did do Sobel gigs. I did a lot of Sobel gigs. So. I, couldn't, I couldn't face it. Uh, I you had to talk to Sobel. There's um, that. And it's not that he's... Oh, it, Jackie, it, I oh, would like to oh, have you feature. Oh, for a nickel? For a nickel. And... Nowhere. No air and a condo where you have to spend the first day cleaning the condo because uh, I'm a woman. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and Or Todd Glass. And uh, what I loved is I followed Todd Glass one time around the country and yeah. in condos. It, it, was a, it was two months where I did three different gigs that he had done. One was in Chicago. One was in Tulsa. And I forget where the third one was. Might have been Austin. Yeah. And every time I went somewhere, he had just been there. And he he's a clean machine. Ah. He's a super clean dude. And so he had hired a um, a carpet cleaner. 
in Tulsa the week before. Yep. He had cleaned out all of the cupboards in Austin. He had taken all the old cereals out and thrown them because everybody's afraid to eat anything a previous sure. comic has yeah. touched. That's why the fridges are full of condiments. <sighs> and, but, and everyone's like, dude, you can eat it. It's not going to be bad. And everyone else is like, I can't, actually, because somebody's hilarious. And I can't <laughs> right. be party to whatever hilarity might have it present. No. Yeah. No, I never, I never crossed that threshold at all. I wouldn't do it. No. no, no, wouldn't do it either. Fair enough. No, I was just, it was, it was already just being at a comedy condo is already enough. Like its at, own compromise. Yeah, it's, it's like being at camp where the counselor <laughs> never shows up. You know? Yeah, it's just a free for all, and you're like, ah, I can't possibly, especially if the MC is sleeping on the couch. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Or, and I, I only really did condos when I was featuring. Yeah, me too, really. Yeah, and then when I started headlining, I did it for a couple of years, and then I was like, oh, I'm making enough money to spend $40 on a shitty hotel room Absolutely. of my own. Yeah. And I'm going to do that, because uh, I'm a grown-up lady. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it, they're gross. It, people should know. They really are. Yeah, spend 40 bucks, club owners, if you're listening to this. Call it a La Quinta. Uh, knock yourself out, Hampton Inn. Okay. I'm willing. Put them in the program. They'll do a trade out. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. Right. Use your use your brain. You can do it. What? Uh, so what else would you have? What have you read? What would you recommend? What's some good ones that you really liked? Uh, of the uh, nonfiction variety. Yeah, any books and stuff that you've read that you really loved recently. Um, well, or ever. I re- <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> what the hell? It's, wow, it's gotten to that. <laughs> it's uh, gotten to that. What have I read? I read Albert Brooks' book, which I liked a lot. Did you Did you read Dick Cavett's? Uh, I did not read Dick Cavett's. What was Albert Brooks' book like? Albert Brooks like? was actually was fiction. I actually wrote fiction. Read fiction. Oh, did he? Uh, 2030, it's called. And yeah. It's his sort of... Uh, oh, that futuristic. Yeah, prediction of the near future. Was it dystopian? It was sort of dystopian, yeah. It was a little hard to not even reading it. It felt like a book on tape, just because, you know, it's Albert Brooks. You know. <laughs> oh, you could hear his and voice. the president said China. You know, <laughs> just you could hear his voice saying every word of it so it was a little like defending again, your life I have no ability to suspend my disbelief so oh, really? it makes you know when I read a book I'm picturing the author writing it not what he's writing usually well it would be good then if you read a, a book by an author that you couldn't hear their voice that's right Christopher Moore he's another guy who I've liked uh, um, what who book? writes fiction my favorite book of his is called Lamb yeah. It is a very funny um, oh, the gospel of Jesus as told by his yes. childhood best friend, Biff. Right. Um, right, right. Which was just a great piece of... Uh, satire. It was right. satire without, without, you know, being... Uh, being a, you know, it was very tasteful satire, which you know I have no problem with tasteless satire. Right, right. But when you're writing the Jesus book, it's, it's, it's a, the more it's a artful nice thing is to is to is to walk the tightrope. Right, right. And you know, and, and, and to have beautifully. such a light touch and to do that, it's. I heard it was really, really great. It was really, really good. I haven't read that one. I would like to read that. Lamb. Lamb is worth it. Okay. And, uh, and, and what he's written a bunch of other books that are sort of in sort of Douglas Adamsy sort okay. of. Uh, um, like in Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman. Yeah, yeah. Very filled with whimsy, you know. Okay. But but you know, rooted enough in the real world so that the jokes land, and then you know, with enough fantasy elements that people dig it. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like the idea of it. It's um, I've, I've I've become slightly worn out with the dystopian future. Yeah. I uh, I feel like we live in a dystopian present, and it's going okay. Right. So I don't know, like I, you know, the speculation is is how you will deal, how will you deal with the dystopian future? Probably how I'm dealing with the dystopian present. Yeah, it's right? a blurry line, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's no zombies, but there are crazies. Right. You know, so and then there's and that's really a more likely outcome. <laughs> right, the, the, our, the real dystopian future could just, you know, right. the percentages, you know. Will will jump. Yeah, you or figure. the numbers are up. So, like se- 2% of 7 billion. That's what I mean, is that the percentages will kick in eventually so that there's an unsustainable <laughs> amount of just fucking batshit crazy. Right. Homicidal. Right, and it'll be hard to meander through it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you'll wish there were zombies. <laughs> Could you write that book, please? Oh, you'll wish there were zombies. Oh, remember those zombies? That was a good time. When oh. you could just shoot them. But this guy, oh. he's just broken. You can't shoot that guy. I used to. I used to. 
complain I had zombies until I met a man who had no, I don't know. Had no oh, right, no legs. Yeah. Right, right. It's that guy. And uh, so is there new TV that you're watching? Um, I wonder what you're curious, what 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 you're... Right now I'm working on a documentary. And that's oh, that's been, right. That is like between that and Cinematic Titanic, that's really been my consuming... Right. Now what are you doing? Year. Are you directing the documentary? Or? I am directing and... Editing? I, I or? am co-editing. I have, okay. a, I have a real editor, but I'm editing the first draft of everything. Okay. So... You know, and I took a crew of four guys to Japan, and I did. You know, so it's been it's been. And you're a doing big project. a documentary, and who is the who is the what the is subject the is a guy named Michael DeBar. Who? How is, do you spell DeBar? Uh, D E S. Oh. Space B A R R E S. That sounds French. Uh, it is. In Excellent. fact, he is from, was born uh, French nobility. He is a marquis. Oh, is he a marquis? He is, but he's also a rock star and uh, actor. Oh, really? Uh, who? Uh, yes. Who has fascinating guy. He was born. He's sixty-four now. Born the son of a uh, of a uh, junkie aristocrat. And a hooker, basically. Wow. Uh, a, a, a schizophrenic hooker, basically raised by strippers and hookers till he was eight, at which point he was put into these high-end English boarding schools, which the Marquis estate had paid for before his father spent it all. Wow. And then at 16, left that to go to London in 1964, where he became <laughs> an actor, and he was one of the kids into Sir With Love. Oh, my God. And, uh, and all sorts of shit. And then we had a glam band called Silverhead in 1972 to 74. That was financed by Andrew Lloyd Webber and on Deep Purple's label. How is that music? Uh, Silverhead's a pretty good band. Yeah? Yeah. And then his next band was uh, Zeppelin financed on, on Swan Song called Detective. Wow. And then his next band was with Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. Good Lord. Uh, not, um, he's royalty in more than more than one way. He's yeah. like rock royalty. Yeah, he's he's sort of been there, done that everything. And then he he was the lead singer of um, of uh, the Power Station once Robert Palmer left. So he sang okay. Live Aid with uh, with the Power Station. Okay. And uh, he wow. wrote that song Obsession. And then he's also done. You know, maybe 50 movies and 150 TV appearances, ranging from WKRP to this season, you know. And he's uh, 60... 64 now. 64 now? And yeah. you've been following him around and... Been following him, doing a lot of interviews. He also married Pamela DeBar, who wrote I'm With The Band. Okay. Uh, super groupie. Oh, the super Pamela. groupie. Yeah, that's where she got DeBar's. I've even, I've even heard of that. And my <laughs> musical knowledge is almost uh, a black hole. It's almost negative, unless you want to talk about Harry Chapin's second album. Yeah. Really? Okay, yeah. Harry and 30,000 pounds. <laughs> nice reference. <laughs> yeah, you think you're depressed listen to harry chapin he will get you out of it because uh, nobody can be he's uh, he will out depress you is what uh what i always thought he when will. i was in high school so what uh so what, what did you go to japan for was he on tour uh, or? they there was a 40th anniversary of silverhead the glam band which hadn't been together all this time right but all of them still played and so it was uh, i went to japan to to shoot yeah, their, their reunion and their rehearsals, and you know, and one of the, like one of the guys is Nigel Harrison, who was in Blondie, and one of the guys is played with Robert Plant for years and years, and the other guy played with Robin Trower, and so they were all like the best studio they were band all ever. Guys who you know had been doing it, so it wasn't like you know, hey, it's been forty years, let's do a show, so, right? You know, but it was still like Cocoon the musical. <laughs> still, <you know. laughs> It was fantastic, and you see that 64-year-old bands are not much different than 17-year-old bands. You know? Well, yeah, uh, just on, on on what they were doing at night, or just, no, just in the the dynamic, the group dynamic of a band is just like this. What is the group dynamic? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, you've just there's like there's there's some sort of scientific formula that that defines the percentage more someone becomes an asshole when they have an electric guitar. <laughs> but it absolutely is a, like a cosmic certainty. It's, it's like a, the Higgs boson <laughs> asshole particle. Okay, so it's just there's the jackassery that the, happens? There's that. There's, the thing, uh, the best I've figured it out Okay, is that when you're playing, when you're playing in a band with someone, everyone has a different rock and roll fantasy in their head. 
Okay. So everyone is pretending to be a different rock star from one another. And those, and taking on the ego of that rock star a lot of the time. And those, and when you try to blend all those varying fantasies and egos right. together, it almost never works for long. Wow. So you have to sort of hope that all the fantasies mesh in some kind sort of, of way? Yeah. Or it lasts as long as it lasts? And then you become a tribute band to the person you're all fantasizing about. And that's no good either. So it's the rare, you know, there's so much wannabeism. Yeah. Even, you know, even for us as a band who have absolutely no aspirations. Right. You know. Right, In order to, to perform play. a rock show, you have to. What What are the aspirations to, happening? What What are the fantasies happening with the three folk pop, uh, the the trio that that you often put together? Um, I think I think we that's that's what works with us is that because we don't have any aspiration attached right to our band. So do you want to be Peter Paul and I'm Mary? Probably, I'm probably uh, you know I'm probably Elvis Costelloing in my head. Okay, in yeah. your head you're wearing a hat. I already I, t- I have a hat although that's more baldness related than Elvis. Was oh, that baldness related? Yeah, you've decided uh, you decided to let go. Well, when it's a hundred degrees out. Oh yeah yeah, yeah you're, you're you know, oh right because then you don't want to get sunburned. Yeah, yeah it's like fair enough. Fresh turf. <laughs> that just I can't. Stand isn't sun ready yet. Fair enough. Yeah, but like I've played in cover bands. Like have you? With, uh, with middle-aged guys, and that's what's happening is they all have this different rock and roll fantasy going on. Did you ever see that Elvis Costello spectacle show? Uh, I did. I liked, yeah. I liked it for the most part. Yeah, that was pretty, uh, that was very interesting where it was just a bunch of, you know, when I think about bands sometimes, and I've said it before, because I, I, again, I, I know very little about it, but I always think of how hard it is to be in a band in the beginning, because they're all driving around, and then I always picture them driving around in that van and sharing a hotel room. Right. And I just, I, at least as comics, we get our own room. That's the thing, and that, but it's that's the only thing. But I get. think that's what guys and bands are saying about us. What's that? They're going, oh man, I, that would suck if I had to do this alone. At least I've got a band. You know, oh, to hide behind or to be with on stage, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Okay. And to be on the road with. I mean, that that. Oh right, because when you're on the road alone. Yeah. It's it's a bummer. It can be a drag because you're it's super lonely, and then you don't want to hang out with the guy that you know that you're working with, right. or you do, and they don't want to hang out with you. I mean, it's like the worst online date ever, right. where you're like. <laughs> That's why when I was was I enjoyed the road more when I was a middle than when I headlined because when I was middling I was usually working with someone who. Oh, was better for me as a middle. Oh, right. Um, yes, and they were better usually too. But which is always. But yeah. my whole thing, right when I was a middle act, was I was anyone who worked with me would come away with at least a half dozen new lines for their act by the end of the week. Oh, right, because you're a writer and well, you're I'm always a writer, tagging and I would stuff. just sit there uh, watching their act all week, and each night I'd have, well, how about what if you did the what if you know? Yeah, do you and want so this? Do you want this? I had a lot of guys like Bill Bauer. Oh, yeah? loved having me on the road with Wild him. Bill Bauer. Wild Bill Bauer. Josh, I want you to come middle for me. And maybe you can write me another five minutes. <laughs> I will, I will, uh, <laughs> you will watch while, I just saw his son do stand-up comedy. I talked with Patrick some on the, uh, I didn't get to the, meet him. Uh, on Twitter. I knew him when he was 12 years old or whatever. Yeah, I never, I knew, I knew Peg. I knew his mom better than I knew Bill. And then I've known Bill a little bit better as the years go by. And I think I've met Patrick maybe once now. If that, yeah. you know, and it's, I didn't, I just did that convergence thing and he was there. He was doing, cause there were three standup rooms at this science fiction oh, convention. Was there really? Yeah. There was the party room where you could do four minutes. So every comic in Minneapolis was standing out in the hallway going, I'll do four minutes. Yeah, I'll do four. You, you get free beer. I'm in, I'm in. And then, um, and you also get a, a tag to go to a temporary pass to go to the convention. Nah. So you could go see all the people in their costumes and go to the dealer room and, and buy a toy or a steampunk pair of goggles, right. an Amelia air hat. And uh, I have an Amelia air hat. Very nice. And, uh, but I lost it somewhere over the Pacific. Somewhere. <laughs> I have a theory that she, I know that they just found her, right? They just think that they, they found her plane, yeah. right? I always pictured her uh, working in like a chickpea uh, factory, creating hummus. As like a slave the, or as no, like no, a, an entrepreneur? As, as an overseer. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of her really being in the charge of it and yeah. and creating some sort of hum, hummus empire that she decided to never return to, <laughs> to civilization. I don't know why. Seems as strong a theory as any. <laughs> why not? <laughs> 
<laughs> I've never like I like the idea of biographies, but I've never read them. Yeah. So what else? What else? What else do you like that uh, you might push on the peoples? I mean, what are you looking at? Anything else on the moving pictures? I'm looking at Michael DeBar a lot. Sure. Sure. Um, going back and forth, saying things. Um, I'm watching a lot of documentaries. I'm trying to think of one that I've loved recently. Um, I'm so mission oriented while I'm watching things that I'm watching for what did they do with this particular? You know, I'm, oh. I'm like I'm very deconstruction minded, so I'm, it's hard for me to retain them as a whole right now. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, Are you trying to watch a lot of stuff that's era for them, Debar? I'm watching that. I'm watching how people do different rock docs, how they do bio, you know, how they do biographical docs. Okay. Because my whole thing is that my thing isn't really a rock doc. I'm really trying to like tell a really truthful, you know, starkly honest version of a story that's usually sort of told in legend form. Okay. Um, Perfect. So I'm I'm there's, I'm watching things for as much to like realize what the the hacky version is to stay away from it. Oh, right. Like what to avoid. Because I'm not like a real, again, I'm a dilettante. So it's not like I've studied documentary making for years and years. How'd you fall into it? How'd you fall into it? I've always loved them. Okay. uh, But uh, this was really a case of, well, I had met Michael about 10 years ago when I was writing on this show called uh, A Young Person's Guide to Becoming a Rockstar, which which, uh, John Reedy was the uh, showrunner of. Oh, nice. and he and I had talked. I had met Michael up in Vancouver where we were shooting the show, and we sort of ta- started talking about doing a book. And uh, then, you know, I did several hours of interviews with him and realized that there was a story there, but then we both got busy and it went away. Okay, so and it so, took 10 years to get back to it. Yeah, we kind of reconnected, and I went, There's really no reason why I should have been writing a book. What I should have been doing is a doc, and yeah. he's. He's hugely enthusiastic for oh, that's cool. anything that is about him. Oh, sure. Uh, Who wouldn't be? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's He's a... one of the world's great exhibitionists, uh, <laughs> but also has an incredible self-awareness, which is what made me interested in the guy. Was... Yeah, and that's great. So he's, he's relatively grounded. and He has the ability to both be the... Uh, the total stereotypical British rock star. Yeah. As well as be step outside it and realize all the things that that entails. You know. That's so, hilarious. So yeah. That I, does sound. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, I'm really excited to show the story to people. Yeah. It's so. When do you think? When do you think that'll come together? Will it take another year or so? Or no, it'll take another. Oh, couple. Four months, maybe. Oh, four months. Yeah. That's not bad. I'm about seventy-five percent shot. I still have a lot of. A lot of interviews, but big celebrity interviews that are hard to schedule. But right, right. Fancy got, people. Yeah, like Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols and Melanie oh, right. Griffith and John Taylor from Duran Duran and Gabriel Byrne. These are, oh, all, wow. They've all said, yes, I'll do it, but we haven't. You, have to, you just have to find out when and where. It in. Right on, right on. I have the same problem. Same problem with the Dork Forest. Trying to get Steve Clovis to get it together, man. Damn it. The it's schedule the... <laughs> with the Steve Clovis. Well, I wanted to do it on Harry Potter's birthday. It's it's a lot of dork cred. You know, you really got to keep it going where, um, you know, you, July 31st, a busy time for a guy that wrote all the Harry Potter movies. Dork synergy is really what you want to create. Yes. And uh, and when you're working with dork luminaries, there's a lot of egos, a lot of egos happening. You're sure. just like, well, whatever. But it's, uh, it's super fun. I like... Um, I like living in Los Angeles and having uh, access to a lot of the people. Yeah. Because because everyone just they really do. They 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 have more information than they even know that they have inside of them. Right. About random random topics that you're just like what what's happening? What do you what do you know about and care about right. more than and <laughs> I think it's fantastic cuz if if someone, you know, and I feel like you know, I feel sort of I've betrayed your premise by even showing up here without any real uh well, no, I think minutia to bring to the table. I think you 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 have uh, you have untapped depths, Josh Weinstein, Why, that uh, that we haven't uh, we haven't even gotten into. But what what do you love? Uh, are you liking living in Los Angeles? Is there stuff that you love about that? I, you know, I love my life here. Yeah, I don't I don't love the town still. Oh really? And I don't like the general population of Los Angeles all that much. It can drive you or what what's uh, uh just, what's there, wrong just with it? there's a uh, there is a uh, detachment from the whole. Oh really? That bothers me about Los Angeles. Would you move that. back to Minneapolis if you could? I, you know, I no, unless life 
got, you know, I still, like I said, I like my life here. I have lots of tons of great friends. And right. I'm not saying everyone in Los Angeles sucks at all. Right. But it feels like a place where everyone is in an individual bubble walking around. Mm-hmm. And... And you know, between their cell phone and their and just the, their car, which is literally like a bubble. Oh yeah. You know, everyone is so self-absorbed, and texting and that stuff has made everyone's world even smaller. Well, that's that happening in Minneapolis too, though. It is, but it's it's still. Does it feel? It feels well, different to me when I go to different cities. Well, I think that I was just in Portland last week, and there's who doesn't love Portland? But there's a there's a civility to Portland that yes. doesn't really exist in. Uh, in Los Angeles? In Los Angeles. Just stand out, stand outside a building in a non-threatening way sometime and just say hi to people as they walk by. Right. And you'll get about a 20% return in Los Angeles on mm-hmm. highs. Oh, okay. You know, you'll get mostly sort of kind of shocked, taken aback, mini, expre- mini expressions from people like, oh, you just popped my bubble. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, and I would say in other cities, it's more of a... 50 to 60 percent return on your hello. In, in New York, uh, I will say you get a less just because uh, people think that you're going to ask him for something. That's true. There's a New York has a certain like everyone's a threat quality, I, and here there's a quieter version of that that I think it's uh, it's it does seem. I think that you might be at an entirely different level of of work where there's a lot of the people that you meet are sort of work friends yeah. and work acquaintances. And I know that what I, what I think about Los Angeles in my, in my opinion is, uh, is there are people that I invite over to my house? Uh, and then there are people that I'm like, see you on Monday. Right. And that's, and so I essentially, when I moved here, you remember Craig Gooder? Sure. Do you ever? Yeah. Editor, right? Yeah. And, sure. uh, hung with him a lot over yeah, the years. Over the yeah. years. Sure. And when, when I moved here, he, he was like, okay, I've moved to Los Angeles. I've moved back to Minneapolis. I've moved to Los Angeles. Here's what I've learned about living in Los Angeles. You have to choose to like it. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, hang out with people that you like, work with people that you have to work with who are perfectly nice people. But you have to work with them, but you don't have to hang out with them all the time. And he's like, and it was one of the best pieces of advice I think I ever received about the city because I went in with that. Right. And... And everyone's been pretty great, quite honestly. I and mean, I've, granted. I, I've, I have tried, and this is a much less profitable way to go about <laughs> living out here. And that is I have tried really hard to combine the two, which is work with friends. You know? Yeah. And I've always have... And there's I been, think that's there's been very few shows I've worked on over the years where I didn't have at least a buddy or two involved in it. And but that's it, the best. Either I've hired them or they've hired me, and it's gone both ways. Right, and then I mean that's the best of all worlds. Yeah, and that's right. what I've tried to. And that's what you do. But sometimes I have to self finance in order to make that happen. Like this documentary is coming out of my pocket. Sure. Um, Thanks to you know America's Funniest Home Videos residuals, I like to reinvest uh, Excellent. Blood, money, That's, blood money back into uh, launder it. You know, Maria Bamford uh, is doing this great joke about how um, she sold out, and yeah. she's like, and she's redoing her houses in various shades of gray. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so there's, I mean, you end up there's work that you do because it's work, you know, right, and and then you buy land, and you get to do whatever you want to do with that money. Right. And Los Angeles is a perfect example of a of a job like that, but. You know, my brother sells printing and in Minneapolis, and he used to sell printing, I think, for some huge, div- like, Stark Industries. I yeah. mean, it's like, it's like all they make are weapons. And he said, you know, I'm not psyched to be selling printing for them, but I have four children. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to put them through college. And, you know, it's like that. So Yeah, I mean, I worked at NBC for a year. It's like, it wasn't how good deal. can you feel about working for GE, right. know, ultimately, but... Right. I mean, it's not ideal, but you you do what you can and you try to give back and and it's well and it's it, you know it's it's you know I, I'm always bitter while I'm in the midst of it, but <laughs> but you know in, you? in the bigger picture yeah. I get I get you know I you a little I, grumpy about it. I'm not one of those constantly bitching guys. Yeah. But but yeah no I sour on situations yeah. if I see that they're heading the wrong direction for me to be happy. Right. You know? And then you bolt and according I, to your IMDb page. You say you're I like pretty much bolt. Well, it's been great. There's, but mostly it's been the show ends and I oh. have no choice but to bolt. You know, most go. shows don't last more than that first season and I've had a 
sweet run of <laughs> of one and out. There you go, and that's you know what, and that's its own. Uh, that's the secret, man. Did you? No, no, okay. I haven't found a secret. <laughs> but I, was, I was kind of waiting to hear what you said the secret was. I don't have, I don't have a secret. It no. seems to be uh, the dork. It's uh, at, at this level. It's uh, it's it's all working out for me as far well, as I'm concerned. You, uh, I think you're living the same ethos I am, which is. Fuck, I'll just make something. I'm just going to make my thing. I'm going to make my thing, and if somebody cares, that's lovely. Absolutely. And if they don't care, I'm going to keep making my thing. And uh, and it's, it's yeah, the dystopian present is just fine. So Absolutely. And, and as, a, as a maker of things, it's probably yeah. the best time we've ever had, you know, because yeah. you have a shot to have people get their ears or eyes on what you're making now. Yeah, because there's just so much access that's really cool. Yeah, and even yeah. shows that those one and out, I mean, Freaks and Geeks, I've heard more people, you know, people bring you DVDs worked on for some me to sign at Cinematic Titanic shows. All the time. people are so... Yeah. But, you know, people are more excited about Freaks and Geeks now than they were when it was on the air. Of course. Because it had the opportunity to just live forever, right. you know. Right, right. Because it's celluloid. Yes. Not celluloid. Zeros and ones, really. Zeros and ones, binary. Fair enough. And uh, so, uh, Josh, it's really cool. I appreciate you coming over and talking. I appreciate being here. It's been an hour. Thank you. Has it been an hour? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. That'll let it down to seven minutes nine. <laughs> No, it was great. It's always great, and uh, and it's always super fun uh, to get to talk to people. And what I should have done is I should have po- posted, you know, J. Elvis Weinstein worked on Freaks and Geeks. What questions do you have about the Freaks and Because you know all those guys. I do. Who have turned into, you know, I'm going to do 19 movies about bodily functions and sticking my wiener into something. And really well written, not to say. No, <laughs> to some, say that there's it's some not. fine wiener work that they've there's all done. Excellent. And I, who doesn't love a great wiener joke? I enjoy it myself. Uh, really, Jackie? Anyway, so, uh, um, but the, we'll have you back, and it'll be an entirely, because <laughs> what I'll get is I'll get 37 questions. But what they can do is they can hit you up on Twitter. There you go. They can just do an at at you, and you will answer their question. I'm pretty responsive. Yeah, yeah. If, it, if asked a direct question, I will respond. It turns out you, you're available for a simple question or I'm two. I'm available for way more than I care to admit, really. <laughs> Rangers of the Dork Forest, you've chosen wisely. Uh, listen again next time, and thanks for tuning in. See ya. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance, then it sounds like a Mexican hat dance. It's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?